Hi, and welcome to a special edition of the High Point University Department of Mathematical Sciences podcast. We talk about more than math. On today's episode, we featured the audio recording from our alumni jobs panel that occurred a few weeks ago, where some of our outstanding alumni uh, returned to campus, yes, virtually on Zoom, to discuss their current jobs uh, with some of our students um, that are currently there to talk about how HPU Department of Mathematical Sciences prepared them for their jobs, gave them some words of encouragement, gave them some words of insight and some advice, and just talked about kind of what their job is overall to provide a a good look into the very diverse careers you could have with a uh, mathematical sciences degree. This jobs panel was moderated by Drs. Lori Zach and Drs. Jenny Fusilier. Hope you enjoy. All right, so welcome everybody to our Mathematical Sciences Alumni Panel. We're welcome, we're, we're excited that you're all here. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna um, start by letting the panelists, well, Jenny's gonna introduce them, but I'm just gonna give a little background. So if you wanna keep your cameras on, we'd really appreciate it. It's much more exciting if you're, t- if you're talking or presenting to like have people to look at. So we'll encourage you to keep your cameras on. Um, we'll ask that you mute yourselves unless you have a question and you can pop the question in the chat box if you want to pop, um, ask it to anybody, uh, Jenny and I will be fielding the questions and we can then um, and, uh, ask the panelists the questions. Or if you don't feel like sending it to everybody, you can privately message either Jenny or I, and we will take the questions and we will ask them too. Or when it comes time to just open question, we'll let the, if anyone wants to ask a question, there's a raise hand button or you can unmute yourself. But we do have a lot of people, so it might be easier if you raise your hand and then we, we're going to moderate the chat and um, questions. Um, so I think that's a little bit of background, and then Jenny's going to introduce the panelists, and then we'll kind of get going. Great. Um, we are so happy you guys are all here. So I'm just going to give a, a really brief introduction uh, consistent with what you might have seen on the flyer um, uh, for all four panelists, and then um, I'll give them an opening question. They can kind of tell you a little bit more about themselves as a way of getting started. But real quick, let me just go through all four and maybe when I get to you, if you just, uh, whoever you are, wave so that the rest of uh, the participants can see who I'm talking about if they don't see your name right away. Um, So we have Kelsey. Kelsey graduated only last year in 2020. um, And she was a mathematical economics major as well as a computer science major. Um, And we have Nicole. Nicole graduated in 2018 with a major in actuarial science and a minor in computer science. Uh, we have Emmy, and she graduated in 2016 in actuarial science, um, but she had minors in math, finance, statistics, and theater. And finally, we have Ben. Um, he graduated in 2015 with majors in math and physics and a minor in computer science. So those are our four awesome panelists from the last few years. Um, and what I'd like to ask them to do each to start out with, and maybe we'll just go in the order that I just called your names, just for having an order. If you could, um, you can give whatever additional introduction of yourself you want to, but um, I'm curious if you could start by telling everybody a little bit about your professional journey. Some of you are in your first jobs, but maybe you had an internship before. Some of you are in your fourth job. So a little bit of a layout of how your professional journey has gone so far so that um, we can use that as a jumping off point. So, um, Kelsey. Hey everyone, I'm Kelsey. Yeah, so I just graduated last May um, during the pandemic. So my whole job after school has been virtual so far. Um, So I spend a ton of time in this room. Um, But 
I work for Bloomberg. So my job title is a market data analyst, but I work under the ratings curves and credit team under the fixed income department. It's like a huge umbrella. Um, so like my day to day is very different, I think, than a lot of people's. My team is very project oriented. So we work on a lot of different projects throughout the day that you either get assigned or you can ask um, to join in on. And we manage sovereign yield curves, answer client questions, um, and update all of the ratings for the Bloomberg terminal that come in. Um, so it's like a big mix of things. Um, prior to that, when I was at school, I did the Daimler internship. Some of you honestly probably know what it was. It was through Thomas Built Buses through the Career Center at High Point. Um, so I did that in between my junior and senior year of school um, and did data analytics for them too. Um, so that's that's my theme is the data analytics route. Um, and obviously Bloomberg is a financial data company. So I've used my econ part of my math degree a lot, as well as when I was applying, I would not have gotten my job if I was not a math major because they asked a bunch of stats questions and we had a question on knights and knaves um, from the 1999 class that I took. Yeah, that I was like, shoot, I know this. Um, so yeah, super grateful for the math department. Um, and if you guys have more specific questions about my job, I would love to answer them. But Nicole, you can take it away. Hi, I'm Nicole. Yeah, I graduated um, in 2018. Um, I had an actuarial science major and computer science minor. I'm currently working at Florida Blue, which is Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida. Um, so I'm down in Jacksonville um, working. My title is an actuarial analyst. Um, so they have a rotation program. Um, so I was previously working on our claims performance team, which is basically just like tracking our claims and projecting trend. Um, and that I had for the first two years. And last summer I switched and now I'm on our Medicare team. Um, it's specifically Medicare value-based providers. So we work directly with people like the providers that our members go and see. Um, and answer a lot of their questions. Um, been doing that, really like it. Um, in terms of my actuarial specific career, um, I'm waiting on my last exam. It is next month, and if hopefully I pass it, that will be my. I will have my official ASA. Um, and yeah, that's my career so far. <laughs> oh, it's me. Sorry. Um, hi, I'm Emmy. Well, um, I'm Emmy Lou now. Uh, I got married. But when I was in school, if you guys were there, I, I'm Emmy Pearl. Um, so I work at Haynes Brands, but I am a, uh, I actually just got a promotion. So that was before I sent you guys my bio. Yeah, yay. <laughs> so I'm the manager of digital analytics. So my specialty is in e-commerce analytics. Um, and it's been a, a really wonderful ride. Uh, so I'm a researcher. I'm actually, um, so Haynes has six domestic uh, websites and I manage the analytics for all of them. So it's a really big job, lots of stuff to do. Um, and so far as like the math background, that's definitely why I obtained my position because I had a really heavy stat background. Um, and when I first joined Haynes, I was working on promotional analysis. And then now I'm working on like predictive analytics, machine building, um, personalization, all kinds of stuff like that. So it's been really fun. Uh, but after I left High Point University, I actually joined BB&T through the leadership development program. So uh, when I first graduated, I was only using my theater minor really. And I was teaching the psychology of leadership. So in fact, I used to be a teacher at High Point for something called the Emerging Leader Certification. I don't know if any of you guys have taken that, but I used to do that too. Hey everyone, I'm Ben. Um, so I graduated in 2015, so that I guess that makes me the oldest here. Um, right after college, I started working at Bellamy Research, which is a market research company. 
I got the gig through the career um, hub at High Point, so props to them. Uh, I worked there for about two years. I was doing metrics on customer research data for the most part. And then after Bellamy, I moved up to DC and I was working for a consultant firm contracting at the IRS. And we were building models and filters to detect, to detect tax fraud and identity theft using like machine learning. Um, and then that was a briefer stint because I was waiting on my security clearance um, for DOD where I joined um, the National Security Agency as a mathematician. Um, and after about a year, for various reasons, I switched over to a private company, Booz Allen Hamilton, uh, where I'm a data scientist now. Um, so I work with public and private sector clients, um, anything from writing Python scripts for automating workflows to um, just doing some simple data analytics on any sort of data that you might can imagine from that. Um, so that's what I've been up to. So I'm in DC now, I've uh, been here about four years, but yeah, I can thank the math department for most of where I've been from now. Awesome. Thank you guys for giving us all that good background. I have sort of a starter question um, that I'm wondering about, and I, I feel like I might know Nicole's answer, but maybe not the rest, but we'll see if I'm right or wrong. I, I know uh, as faculty, we get uh, students a lot who are majoring in our department who aren't exactly sure what they wanna do. It's super common and it's really common with a math major, but also with probably everything except actuarial science, I think, uh, less common with that. So I guess I'm wondering for each of you, did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? When you were in college majoring in whatever, did you have a plan or, or if not, tell us a little bit about how you navigated figuring out what that career path would look like. That's hard. And I think it's really intimidating for a lot of our students. Whoever wants to jump in. I mean, I kind of still feel that way a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say up until like the day before I graduated, I probably didn't know what I wanted to do. But um, I feel like I, if I look back at my education, um, a lot of what I gravitated towards was I'll sum it up simplicity, simpli or I'll simplify it, I'll say that, um, is problem solving. So I feel like every jump I've made in my career path has been kind of centered around that. And just, I've always enjoyed solving problems as silly as that sounds, but I mean, that's where I'm at. So it's okay to not know what you wanna do, but I can guarantee as a math major, there is plenty for you to do. So even if you jump into a first job and you don't like it, go on to something else. And I think there's definitely a lot of options out there for us. I'll use my first job, which was in like leadership and teaching um, as a good example. So, you know, I thought um, like, as you go through your career, you'll start to understand that you don't have to get married to any one idea of what you want to be when you grow up. And you'll also become more and more aware that you're never grown up. So there's also that. So, you know, as you continue to go, it's just going to evolve. When I was, um, when I taught, I really liked it, but I was really interested in the psychology behind everything. So then I moved over and did, you know, uh, research and development for the psychology department that I was working in. Felt really strong there. And then when I realized I wanted to get more and more into math, and now that I'm at this point in my life, I realized that I'm a researcher, right? So like, I just love finding a piece of information that nobody found before and then trying to use it to the best of my ability in order to, to see like immediate impact. 
Um, so I will say, don't put a lot of pressure on yourself to know what you want to do. Um, as people who have a proclivity for math, we are gifted in the fact that like not a lot of people have that. Used to be one of those things that used to like crush my puppy spirit when I would say like, I love math. And then people would tell me that they hated it. Right. Um, and that made me bummed out for them. But then, you know, as you're sitting here at this point in your life, be grateful that you are a math person because uh, it does set you apart. And then what's even better about that is that once you learn more and more about yourself and your strengths and that self-discovery as you kind of like actualize into an adult, then it becomes more clear. OK, well, not only do I have this very rare thing, but then here are all of these supporting strengths that come along with it. And then that's when it becomes more and more focused but don't put a ton of pressure on yourself. I can go. I, so yeah, I pretty much had a good idea coming in. I started as an actuarial science major and I had an idea of coming out. I wanted to do something. I wanted to become an actuary um, prior to college and all throughout my college career. So I never had an internship. I actually in high school was working, I got a cosmetology license. So I literally was working in a salon and did a complete 360 to math. Um, but even then, so yeah, I came out with an actuarial science degree and a computer science minor. And even now people in my department, um, there's just a lot of value, especially in my entire company, the whole organization. Um, the CEO has explicitly stated he wants more actuaries there just because of the value that they bring. And I pretty much anyone with that kind of math or statistics and data background. Um, a lot of people rotate either to like data analytics roles or people have actually gone on to IT or just general other roles like that. So I think anything, yeah, is open just wherever you land. Uh, there's always opportunities wherever you wanna go. And I can wrap us up here. Um, I came in as an international business major. Actually, I actually don't know if you guys knew that. Um, <laughs> So I had no clue what I was doing. And then like probably two months into my freshman year, I changed to math econ and declared a minor in computer science. And then junior year, I bumped it up to a major. So I was kind of all over the place. I knew I loved math, um, but I didn't know what you could really do with math out of, outside of college if you just had a pure math degree, um, which is cool that we have stuff like this because you open the door to conversations about what you can do with a math degree, you know? Um, but so I had the math econ degree and in high school, I went for computer science, absolutely hated it. I wanted nothing to do with it. And now that's basically what I do for most of my projects at my job. Um, but like Nicole was saying, having a mathematical background makes you such an asset to whatever company you're going to work at, because it gives you a different mindset going into a problem. Because math is not easy. Like you guys are tackling a hard topic and be proud of yourselves for that, because there's a lot of people who would not even want to step foot in a math classroom. Um, and you guys are looking forward to it in a career. Um, but it gives you a whole problem solving set and logical thinking that can be used in so many different areas of your life. And it's really, really valuable to managers um, and to businesses. So there's so many open doors in that. And my biggest piece of advice as far as a math degree goes is do research while you're at school. Um, because research opens so many doors to different things that you wouldn't know about otherwise. It forms relationships with professors that you're working with. And it teaches you skills on how to time manage, how to meet deadlines, how to present. There's so many good things that come from doing research and getting involved on campus. So definitely do that if you have the opportunity. Oh yeah, and then also just look for like corporate sponsored events. So, you know, at Haynes Brands, we just sponsored one that got held at Elon. I'm sorry, I should have totally reached out to you guys. Anyway, um, 
basically like look for those things because I think we gave our winners five grand a piece and a bunch of champion swag. So like, you know, there's not just ways that you can expand your ideologies like in like helping High Point with its research, but also, you know, spread out, make a team, you know, go find something really cool. You can make some some good side coin with it and then get amazing experience. So I'll jump in and ask him the next question. And then again, we'll we'll cycle around. But I'm curious about, um, I'm sure the students will wonder this too, like how did you go about finding your job? Like where did you apply? Where did you go look? I know Ben, you first said you got, um, you know, the High Point Career Center or whatever. Um, but like after that, like where do you go look for these jobs? So there's definitely a lot of places to look. Um, I definitely utilize the high point resources early on, obviously. Um, beyond that, my first jump was LinkedIn, looking at a lot of jobs there. But I will say as mathematicians, um, there is a big use for us in the federal government, if that is any of anyone's interest. Um, so you can look at like USA Jobs. Um, and then for the intelligence community, I'm blanking on the website. But you could probably Google it. <laughs> yeah, I know LinkedIn's popular, but to be honest, you guys, it's when I was looking for stuff, I felt like um, it was either like really broad or too narrow. Like there wasn't a lot of clarity within the job descriptions on LinkedIn nor the application process. So because it's using like so many different um, like so many different companies are housed within this like huge LinkedIn network that the application process there is really clunky. Um, okay, this is also because I work in e-com. So when it comes to a website, <laughs> I'm going to give a lot of opinions there too. But like, I would say that that was more like cumbersome for me. Uh, I used a lot of like, just like local networks. So High Point was great. High Point helped me find BB&T the first go around. And then once I'd been in BB&T, you start to build your professional network get involved with organizations in your area. So I'm a part of like a women's women in business uh, organization in Winston-Salem. You know, there are so many that you can get involved with based on like what your interests are. Um, and there are even those catered for people who are, you know, analytics minded. So there's consortiums everywhere for analytical people. Uh, I encourage you to join those because that's also how you network. And um, if High Point has taught us a lot, it's about, you know, building that network and who you know, and then being able to back it up with your with your educational prowess. For me, when I was applying to jobs, and I mean, granted, my grade had a very unique experience with a lot of it being it just last year. Mm -hmm. um, but I, the way that I approached it, I first started on LinkedIn, which was just honestly really overwhelming for me because there's so many different options. And I didn't know, like, if you just type in data analytics on LinkedIn, 8 million things are going to come up and you're going to not want to look at any of them. So, so once I got away from that route, I was like, okay, how can I tackle this? So I started looking into specific companies that I would be interested in working at. Um, that I knew were in some sort of field that I was interested in. So that's actually how I ended up finding Bloomberg and I applied from their website. Um, but some of the other companies that I were, was interviewing at didn't have direct links with High Point. They had direct links with other schools. So what I actually did is, if anyone knows G.R. Dulac, um, he works for Deloitte. He went to High Point University. So I reached out to him from the Career Center because um, the Career Center has a lot of connections between students who now work at different companies. 
if you go there, most of the students who graduated are willing to talk to you about their job and even possibly put in your name or your resume to someone higher up than them um, that could help you get an interview. So that was really helpful to me because he is the only reason I got an interview at that company. Um, and I think it makes it a lot, a lot less uh, overwhelming and like overbearing than just typing stuff in on LinkedIn. Shameless plug here, but because I just got my promotion, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm actually hiring. So if anybody <laughs> wants to apply to be an e-commerce analyst at Haynes, and uh, you get a discount on Champion Swag and Haynes stuff and other stuff too. So I love it. That's hilarious. Okay, and then yeah, mine. Um, I also would be starting on LinkedIn again. There's a lot on it. What mainly helped me on LinkedIn was any people who've come to High Point and spoke, like specifically actuaries, former actuaries who came. Um, I would then talk with them about any other places. Um, additionally, my sister um, is an accountant. She worked at one of like the big four accounting firms and she had actuaries at her company. So they were like friends with her. I asked if I could chat with them on any places they've previously worked and just get an idea of the field and then yeah, just LinkedIn and Googling other companies that I knew hired actuaries because my first thought was I kind of wanted a traditional path. Um, but now if there is ever a time where I'm deciding there are like unlimited opportunities. So just searching and chatting with anyone that you've ever met, networking and figuring out where your skills would fit. Yeah. And I'll say that too, like as an other, another actuarial science major, you know, you don't have, and, and Nicole, I'm so jealous that you'd like, you did it, girl, I'm proud of you. Um, but like, you know, you might decide halfway through, okay, this isn't for me or this isn't what I want. Um, make a list of just stuff that you're interested in. So my mom works in the music industry, right? So um, I met with a bunch of analysts that are like at Sony, right? Because I was like, oh, I love music and I would love to be an analyst for music. So, you know, the fact that because everybody needs an analyst, you know, everybody needs a math person, um, you, there's no shortage of, of places that you can go that tie to your other interests. So you don't have to just love math all the time. You don't have to just feel like you're, you know, this type of person, or you just have to do this job. You know, uh, I got my job because I had an actuarial major. Um, but you know, I'm not an actuary. Yeah. There is people at my company there, um, who he is deciding he doesn't want to stay traditional. He doesn't want to be in health insurance. Um, he's actually right now trying to reach out to like Spotify or Sony, like any music streaming place. He wants to do analytics for all of like their music platform. That's what he's like trying to reach out into right now. So it's really, you don't fully have to go traditional for actuaries. That's where I wanted to start. Um, but there are so many fields that really are just looking for that same skill set. Nicole, give him my email. Okay, I will. Awesome. So, um, I have a question that was submitted by a student, which I'm going to read word for word. So it says, is there a class that you took here at High Point that has stuck out to you in terms of being beneficial in your career? In other words, is there material from one class in particular that you often find yourself using in your job? Whoever can tackle first. I can go. Um... There's probably a few, some that I actually use a lot day to day um, were my stats ones, specifically when I was in my former like role at my job, the trend, when I was doing trend, um, the one class I took was time series. It was, I don't remember the full name, but it was time series. It was one of the stats classes I took later on. Um, 
that came, it was actually in a lot of our, like the models that we used um, when actually we had to develop like track and understand how trend was actually happening and then actually forecast what we thought was gonna happen for future years. Um, so that was all over my model. Um, any of my stats classes where I learned R, I know there's a new R like class specifically to learning R. It was not there when I was a student, um, but that is all over my role right now. So I'm really jealous I didn't get it, but any classes where I had background where we used a few things um, super helped me. Those are my main ones, but there's, especially I'm still taking exams. Um, so any of the actuarial exams, those seriously helped. Um, and then just all of the other math classes actually build into future exams that I'm studying for now. But yeah, that's where I'll stick. Um, I'm gonna jump in just cause I took the R class. Um, so I took it the first semester was offered, um, was great. It's great experience into what data analytics can actually look like. Um, and I'm sure at this point it's grown more than the first cause I took it the, literally the first semester was offered. Um, so I use that one. I use that in my internship a lot. We were preparing a presentation. So I was able to look at trends um, using R in uh, electricity prices across the country. So that was cool. Um, one that I wish I could have gotten to take, but it was not offered when I was there, but it is offered now is the introduction to Python course. Um, because that is huge in my job. I use Python almost every single day. Um, Bloomberg has their own version of Python that they use. Um, so I use it all the time. Um, I used it in two classes my last semester, but it was not like an introduction to it. Um, it was like, we're gonna throw you in the deep end. <laughs> so having an intro course um, is definitely something that I would take advantage of. And a lot of my friends who are in similar fields of either data science or mathematics or engineering do use Python in their roles too. Um, so I think it's just becoming a lot more prevalent. And Graham Squire, you're gonna like this one. Linear algebra is actually something that has stuck out to me in my job. Um, and yeah, Dr. Zach too, we use linear algebra for my research. Um, but that one was not one that I was expecting to stick with me and it really has. Um, and I think a lot of the thinking behind that go translates into a lot of other areas that I didn't realize. Um, so that was a big one for me too. Yeah, I'll say time series and forecasting, definitely. Um, I work in retail, which is seasonal and cyclical. So that's huge. Um, linear algebra, another really big one. Um, as a person who uh, graduated and started the hiring process for a big company and then is now, you know, like in my current position, um, I will say like, don't leave High Point not knowing a language. I'm sorry, we all speak English, but you know what I mean? Like, the don't leave not speaking a computer language because it's so crucial. Um, you can no longer do really heavy lifting analysis without using some kind of computer language. So um, things I use most often, VBA constantly. Um, I code in HTML and JavaScript because I'm, again, an ecom. Um, but ours is huge. Python, like just try anything. Um, I use, I use like Python for all of my automation. I use SQL constantly. Like you just need to find a language. And that's something that I did not do when I was in college that I, I sorely missed out on because it was like a crash course to, course as soon as I got to Haynes. Um, so I really recommend that. But then again, I took, you know, just taking C, like plain old C, right? Like that prepares you so well to like walk in and learn a new computer language really quickly. So do those things because there's no way that you can graduate now as a mathematician and not have that in your back pocket. What about you, Ben? 
Uh, for me, I am probably going to say intro to real analysis um, only because it was the first time I was introduced to proofs, which I think introduced a whole different aspect of like how I would think through a given issue or problem. Um, and also in a weird way, I think it also made me a better writer, um, being able to kind of tie in um, justification with technical details. Um, so yeah, um, and kind of to piggyback, don't be intimidated by program languages. Um, it is definitely a valuable skill, but um, as mathematicians, I think a lot of the way our minds are wired is with algorithm development. Um, so being able to think through how you would go about writing a solution in a given language, more so than a developer might think in, okay, I'm building this tool. How am I going to do that? Um, so yeah, that's my two cents on that. Okay. I see something sent to me directly in the chat. Um, so I'll address that one next. Um, okay, when it comes to math, I was just making sure I got to the language. When it comes to math, what is the hardest thing that you come across in your job? Are there, are the things that you do repetitive or is each thing a different creative project? Oh, can I go? Can I go? Please. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> the hardest thing to do when you're working well this is for my personal experience after working at two like old old companies is that people don't really want to try new math concepts um you will oftentimes if you're hired into an analytics position or like a junior analyst position people are going to be around you just using like basic run rates averages year over year comparisons which are so boring and it's really, really difficult to get people excited about trying something new that they don't understand. So first of all, it's about like establishing your trust. So if as you, as the analyst, you have to like make them feel comfortable, but also you have to bring energy to concepts because if you cannot get people excited about your analysis, if you cannot get them excited about trying something new and different, then they're not gonna try it. So my, the majority of my time is spent trying to convince people that this thing that sounds super scary is actually really amazing and it's gonna be super fun and you're not gonna have to do anything and I'm gonna do it all for you and it's gonna be wonderful and we're gonna make tons of money and it'll be great, right? Like you have to bring that kind of energy to it because if you don't, you will lose people. I think oftentimes um, I heard this a lot when I first started applying for jobs, it's like, oh, you don't act like the typical actuary, right? I think people think mathematicians are just boring, horrible people that live in basements. And we're not, we're really funny and sweet and kind and nice, okay? And so all of us need to like bring that kind of fire and excitement about math because a lot of people you will find are terrified of it. So that is something that is the most difficult thing about being an analyst in a, a big corporate environment. I will say to the second part of the question, which is like, are there things that I do every day versus like things that I try new? So there are things that you will be responsible for that will suck and that will be mundane. My advice to you, and this is going to sound crazy, be lazy. So find ways in which to make the process better so that you don't have to do the things you don't like. A lot of the accolades that I've been able to get, a lot of the promotions that I've been able to have are because I was lazy and I automated something or I ex like expanded my knowledge base so that I could never do this thing that I hated ever again. Do that 
because it just sets you apart, right? Um, it gives you a project to work on. It makes you hate that thing less. And then at the end of it, you get to say, look at this really amazing thing that I made. So I encourage you to do that, even though that sounds counterintuitive. Um, and then, yes, there will be things that you do every day that are kind of boring. However, that's when you can find the excitement and convey your enthusiasm about a new concept is finding the things that you are really, really drawn to. So keep exploring, okay, what are my strengths? Like, what am I doing on a daily basis that I feel like is really connecting with me? What are the things that I feel like I, I don't really connect to as well? Because you can't just say, I like math and therefore I like all math things that I do. That's not realistic. So just being ready to say, okay, well, these are the math things I gravitate to. These are the math things that maybe I don't like as much. Um, and then figuring that out, uh, you'll never do something the same way twice. I will say that, like, that's what's kind of fun about it too. Um, I can go. Um, my one big thing I would say is um, in my role specifically, my first role, um, I did not work. I worked for, um, he was formerly an accountant. Um, so trying to explain any of our deeper math models and the output to him was probably super complex because it, similar to what Emmy was saying, yeah, they just don't want to hear that like this, the numbers that we took from this year went through this huge model and they don't know where this number came from. They kind of just want to see exactly what happened this year slapped on with like, hey, maybe an extra 3% tagged on. Like that's what they're comfortable with. So really trying to explain to not mathematical people what we're actually doing with your numbers and how it's supposed to help you. Um, I think that's probably one of our bigger challenges. Um, for the second half of day-to-day -day versus uh, routine projects, um, Mine, I would say it really depends on the role. My previous one where I was in trend was pretty routine, like month after month, I was kind of doing the exact same stuff with maybe a week that in between um, where I just got to be creative. Uh, the current role I'm in where we're working directly with providers is a lot of specific requests um, from various people throughout the state of Florida being like, how can I improve this with my members? Um, so there's like a few monthly processes and then uh, really just creative questions that I get that like came out of nowhere. I've never seen them before. So it's pretty much a start from scratch project um, and how to just best address what the pro provider is directly asking me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say much because basically I have the same answer, but in my field, there's a lot of, we'll say people that should be retired. Um, so they're less likely to jump on a new idea. Uh, they're more willing to do something that takes them all day versus me doing something that takes 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah, I will piggyback right off of Ben there. My team is split between three new people who were hired within the last two years and everyone else has worked there for over 10. Um, we have people on my product who were there when the product started. So they don't want anything new. They, they like to just do their day to day and move along with it. Um, but it's cool being the new perspective like brought in because you get to bring um, a new, like a fresh set of eyes to it and so many new ideas that they didn't see before. Um, so, I mean, I'm like really blessed in my role to have it be very project oriented and I get to pick a lot of the projects I work on, which is nice. Um, but just like they were all saying, there's in every job you have, you're gonna have things that you do on the day to day. Um, but like Emmy was saying before, being able to figure out ways to make them easier for yourself is a huge thing that you're going to want to do. <laughs> yeah, be lazy. 
We'll put that I on mean, the do your job department. though. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll put that on the next department t-shirt. I mean, yeah, smart lazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Be so smart and lazy. I mean, actually a handful of questions come in in the chat. So I'm gonna ask like, I'm gonna ask two of them kind of together from um, two of those students here. So they kind of have to deal with um, minors. So one is, um, how have your minors like impacted you into what you're in your where you are now were they you know were they beneficial um was it and then the second one or like versus like a minor versus doing a full major and the second one kind of is about um like math and computer science so you you know we have a lot of double majors or we used to have a lot of double majors in math and computer science or we have a lot of students who major in one and minor in the other and so um for those of you that have done computer science and a math degree like what are your thoughts on is the minor enough or like, you know, should you, you know, maybe do more those kind of things. So I'll ask you a little bit of questions about your minors. And then if you did computer science, maybe speak to that a little bit. So I definitely think my computer science helped me in a lot of ways. Um, it was focused mostly on C and C++ and like appropriate coding practices, which I've probably lost, but um, with working in physics, we did a lot of simulations with Python, which is what I use most of my day-to-day -day now. Um, but I will say having that minor and being introduced to programming and like where, how to do the best practices and things like that definitely put me on a trajectory where I could achieve a little better where I am now. Um, the languages are definitely a little different and things like that, but um, I'm going to use it again, but a lot of where I chose to go in my education was all centered around problem solving. So when I got to high point, I was declared math and that was it. And then I took the intro to computer science course and I was like, oh, this is it. And then throughout my education, switched that to physics and then got a minor in computer science. So, I mean, I don't think it's like a hard press that you're going to be shut down from any career opportunities if you don't have the right major or minor or one or the other. But as long as you pick up something from each of the classes you take, whether you have a minor stamp or a major stamp, I don't think it's going to make a drastic difference. I'll say that. Yeah, just to I'm going to pipe in just a little bit because and I'll, I'll, those of you that do programming, I'm going to throw that other question that we got in the chat too. So someone asked about learning programming, what would you recommend as like, if we they could pick one, what would it be? And I know you guys all use different things, so that might be hard to say, but I know you've talked about Python, R, of course there's Java and HTML, things like that. So if there was one language to pick, what would you try first? Um, I'd say Python, sorry, Emmy. Um, no, I'd say Python, not just because I use it most of the day, um, but I think it's easy to pick up. If you're more like stat mind, I'd say R. Yeah, I would agree with that. Although I will say like, if you need a place to start, start, start with C. Like, you know, cause I think I, I remember taking that with um, Dr. Dr. Mrs. Titus. Um, and it was just a really good way to understand like how computers think. Um, and like for a lot of, I think, you know, I build a lot of machine learning now and, and that's like a big part of my job. And um, I think not having that kind of just like base understanding of like how a computer thinks, then how am I supposed to make a, a machine on my own? You know what I mean? Um, so I think like if you're gonna start anywhere, you can start something that's like super basic because you know C was, is such a, a good base language. Um, but then if you do wanna like expand, but here's the thing like for, for the question about, you know, does a computer science minor have to be a major? 
I didn't have a major or a minor in computer science. I work in web development <laughs> and I taught myself everything that I needed to know. So I really don't think that you have to take it in school. Um, what's going to get your foot in the door again is going to be like kind of like math minded major. So you don't really have to worry about like beefing that up too much. Um, I will tell you one minor that I think has had a significant impact on where I am today was my theater minor. Um, at High Point, when I was graduating, and Ben knows this too, we had to like pitch ourselves. Like it was a part of our graduation that you had to have like your brand, right? And you had to have your brand ready. And my brand that I came up with myself was this like mathematician with jazz hands, right? Like I was going to come in, I was going to be like, no math and like be really great, but I was also going to entertain you and make you laugh. And like, that was the thing that I think was the easiest part to sell about myself and why like there's not a lot of time where I've, I've ever had to worry about, you know, that I don't have a place to go or that I wouldn't have a job. Cause it was just one of those things where I started to realize it was so important. Um, and that having the, again, the academic chops, you've got to back it up, but ultimately you've got to get people excited because right now just everyone is so terrified of math. So that's the minor I think that has helped me the most, believe it or not. I definitely believe that. I mean, people have a lot of stereotypes about um, mathematicians and computer scientists not being able to have reasonable conversations with people. So anything you can do to break that kind of stereotype is great. Yeah, it's not a fair stereotype. It's definitely no, of not. Course. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I recommend it. Yeah, just to, to, to try something new. And like Ben said, with the being a better writer, like I didn't really understand because I thought, okay, well, math Mathematicians, like we don't have to write anything like you know why would that matter but then as I started to move into my corporate career I realized like written communication is a really big part of it and while you might not be writing papers you are doing a ton of presentations you are trying to help people understand like what went into your analysis and why they should trust what you're saying that kind of thing writing is really important there so using that like logic that Ben found in proofs is really cool you know making sure that you've got that base understanding of like how to really convey yourself in a written way and, and make it compelling is also really important. Um, I can go next. So I started with a minor and then bumped it up to a major um, just because I only had like two classes left my senior year, but they were offered in like synchronization with each other. So I would have like just been taking whatever and I really enjoyed it. Um, so I did bump it up to a major. As far as needing a major over a minor, if you're not looking to be a software engineer, you can just do the minor. You could just take a class. Um, I think any sort of basis is really all that you need in order to build a foundation that you would want in your specific role. Um, like there, you honestly, if you wanted to go online and just do like Code Academy or Data Camp, like they also, they're online, like free great resources that you can use. Um, I know they offered a lot of online, like free courses during the quarantine. Um, but coming from someone who has taken a lot of the computer science classes, they get into the very nitty gritty of like, this is how a network is set up. This is cybersecurity. Like this is the assembly language of a computer. And unless you're going to go into a field of software engineering or cybersecurity or development, there is not like a great need for you to know all the nitty gritty of that. You just need to know the basic logic of how things work. Um, so that would be my, my piece of advice on that part. Um, like in my job, I do a lot of coding and I do some software development, but not, I didn't even take software development at high point. <laughs> so um, that would be that. As far as what coding language I would suggest would definitely be Python at this point. Um, 
they offer Python and SQL classes at my job that you can take through the company. Um, they're like eight week courses because a lot of people will come in with no background um, and want to learn it. Um, so I think a lot, a lot of companies probably do that at this point where they offer you some sort of resource in order to learn it if you don't have a background in it. So I, it's definitely not a make or break. It's all just the logic mindset of how you can learn something. Math sets you up to be able to code more or less with the way that you think. Um, so I would not let that deter you um, from like applying to something or thinking that you have to take this class over another one. Um, honestly, just find classes that you're interested in and that you really think you're gonna enjoy and pursue those. Like you're at college for four years. If I could have taken more English classes, I would have. Like, I think they're so cool, you know? And like, you have the rest of your life if you're gonna go into a math or computer science like job to take the, like to pursue that passion. That passion. So do, do whatever you're really interested in. And if it happens to fall under the umbrella of computer science, then that's great. If not, that's also great. Um, so I wouldn't, I know we're talking about it a lot, but I would definitely not let that push you down a path of like, I need to take all these classes. Like you, you don't. <laughs> that, that relates to a question that actually just popped up in the chat and Kelsey kind of gave a partial answer to. So maybe I'll jump in with that in case people want to say something to it, um, about classes that you would recommend outside math and computer science. And so you just mentioned English sort of in passing, but like, and we've mentioned writing and things like that, but what about in theater? What about classes outside of these disciplines we've been focusing on? Um, what, what would y'all say if you could go back and take one more class in something, what, what would it be in? Philosophy. Mm. Yeah. Um, I obviously did like business ethics with Brophy and everything. I don't know if Dr. Brophy's still there. Um, but I, in fact, forced my husband to be on the ethics team with me. Join the ethics team. Okay, first of all, great team. Go do it. But that's a, another really big thing is, is like philosophy, um, ethics, that kind of newer form of thinking or, or taking the kind of like very logical algorithmic way our brains already work and then turning it into very logical arguments backed up with ethics or, you know, morality theory is, is it's really cool. And, and I think I would have done more philosophy. I don't know if I'll go against the norm, but I'd say just take whatever class you want. Um, yeah. Enjoy your four years of college. I mean, you're getting a math major or minor or something or the other. So you're doing some tough stuff. And I mean, you're going to continue to learn your whole life. Um, and I definitely regret being a little more flexible in college instead of being like anal and, oh, I have to do all these classes. I have no time for fun things. And by fun things, I mean fun classes, but definitely make time for that. Yeah. Oh, take a uh, costuming and hair design. Uh, sewing is one of the best things that I ever learned in college. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, like you don't doubt it. I would have loved to have taken a sales class personally. Oh. Didn't have that opportunity, but I feel like taking, I got to take some business classes with the math econ major because you are required to, um, but I never got the opportunity to take a sales class. And I think it really definitely can set you up for success in a business field. So that would be the one that I would have taken. Besides English, I love English. Yeah, everyone had much more interesting answers than I did. Um, mine would just be anything I'm interested in now. So yeah, like an ethics one would have been cool. Maybe I was not a big fan of English. I hate writing huge papers, um, but definitely those are skills that I would have, I still need now. And I think that probably is something I should have taken um but yeah pretty much just whatever interests you because yeah you only got four years and there are times when 
I'm trying, like I'm learning new things or thinking about other like specifically ethical stuff with people. Um, and I'm like, I really wish I took more classes in college. Like while I was there, I had the opportunity, like easily could have swapped it in. So really just whatever interests you and might be fun. Okay, I'll pipe in with some other um, questions. So we have a couple really quick questions, which I'll ask. Um, so one has to do with those that had undergraduate research. Um, so what did you do and how did it help you in your career? Um, and then the second one, I, I don't know, how, I know Kelsey, of course, did research because she was my student. So, um, but uh, I don't know about everyone else. Um, and the second one that's super quick is as um, like at your job, do your employers favor a BS or a BA? Does it matter? Is it viewed equally? Um, I know what we tell our students here. So, but I want to hear what as like, what do your companies think about, about that? I work with a lot of hiring with my company. And I mean, I don't think we differentiate either. Um, I think my field is a little different because we work with a lot of ex-military, which most of them don't have degrees at all. But I will say, I mean, my company is 27,000 people. And if there's that many spots where they're looking to hire and they're not differentiating between that thing, that thing, <laughs> BS or BA, um, I wouldn't like make or break or make yourself too stressed out by trying to get the BS if you don't have time for it or adding on time to your education. Um, for research, I did do research with Dr. Peachnik. Um, it was on Matroids. Couldn't really tell you what they are right now, five years later. Uh, but I did have to learn like a nuanced programming language to do some of it. And I think at the end of the day, it really just taught me how to work through a complete unknown um, and be able to speak to it. Um, I can hop in next. As far as the BS and BA, I think that mine would be very similar. I obviously am not hiring people as I'm only like eight, in, eight months into my career. Um, but when I was applying, um, like I don't think that that really deterred anything. I had a BS and a BA. Um, so I, I really don't know. Emmy can probably speak to that question pretty well. Um, but as far as the research goes, I actually did two different uh, things for research. So I did research in the math department and I did research in the computer science department. Um, so my junior year for a year, I did research with Dr. Zach and Dr. Graham Squire um, under the umbrella of gerrymandering. We were trying to see if you could predict, predict gerrymandering through matrices and graph theory. So we were translating graphs into matrix or matrices and then calculating different, different distances. Um, and then my senior year, second semester, I did research with Dr. Pittman in the computer science department on... Um, Honey nets, they're a collection of honey pots. It's a cybersecurity mechanism. Um, and we were doing a replication study um, on whether we were trying to replicate this study using machine learning to basically build more like honey nets that a person wouldn't know that they were in. Um, so as far as what I learned, I think that research is just so cool. Um, to, like I had never started from nothing before, like with the gerrymandering, we were really starting from nothing. Um, so we were trying to figure out anything that we could. So we ended up coming up with like a theorem for it um, and like seeing how that worked and then being able to go present research, um, like answer questions. I think that you just gain so many different skills during it that can be used in your everyday job when you have presentations or when you need to answer complicated questions and make them not complicated for people. Um, like there's so many different things that you can get from research. And my senior year research project did not end up going as planned because the replication study could not actually be replicated. Um, so learning how to 
work with that and navigate a situation like that is something that I definitely have used in my job because when something doesn't go right, um, you need to be able to fail fast and move on to the next thing. Um, and I think that research teaches you that so much. So that would be, that would be mine. Oh, um, I didn't do any research. Um, I really wish I did actually though. Um, going, I'm not fully in the hiring process, but I do help with, um, I've been on a few with my personal team that was outside the actuarial department. We've hired two people um, and we do look for interns. Um, I will say the difference between a BS and a BA, I don't think it's ever been brought up. We've had people apply with just a minor in math. They came from completely different areas. That really doesn't matter as much. Um, a lot of what we would be looking for then is um, just projects or anything you can speak to, whether it's your R class or anything specifically you did in a class that just like shows your thinking honestly matters more than letters or a number on your resume. Um, so I think just that speaking part is going to be your most important driver when applying or talking to anyone. While you're talking, Nicole, we had a question that you probably are best suited for since you're working in the actuarial field. So while you're kind of on that note, could you address this question? Um, what, what do you recommend when it comes to internships opportunities on campus and maybe clubs with regard to actuarial science? Anything you can add in that vein about internships and things? Oh yeah, so there was, I'm not sure if it's still going on. I know there was really only um, Lincoln Financial used to come every year if they still do that. Um, I know pretty a lot of people have a few people have gone and taken that and they're still either still there or gone on to other things and that's a pretty good one. Um, as far as other ones that really came to campus I don't there weren't super many um, but chatting with I don't know if Dr. Lamb is still there if there's somebody else or the new he, he just retired and we're hiring his replacement as we speak. <laughs> oh, okay um, I also don't know if the actuarial club is still a thing I, or if it died out. Um, I don't know. I know it was like just starting when I was. Had, yeah, it had just started around your time, right? Um, so I, I don't know offhand, but we can find out for the students who are interested. Okay. Um, yeah. So, oh, I see someone say it died out. Um, but yeah, honestly, just the group of people that, um, I met either in my math classes or actuarial, uh, we just did a lot of research and talked to people ourselves about what the entire career field looked like. Um, and that was probably one of my best resources. I did try going to, um, you know, the, the like the research, not the research, the job center. Um, and I don't know how prepared they were for actuaries. Um, I've gone a few times trying to hope they got that up. I don't know if anyone's been recently, um, but honestly just networking outside was where my main information came from for actuarial science. Not that that helped as much. <laughs> is the Max Club still a thing? Like still a thing? No? Yeah. No, no. It died. it's so sad. I, it's so sad that that club died too. Everything died my year. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> okay. We just got a really good specific question in the chat, which might be a good concrete one to end on before we do a little bit of a wrap up. Um, and it says, for those of you that are involved in the hiring, side of things, what does that process look like? Is it more conversational or do you evaluate the interviewee's skills? That's a great question. Yeah, I can answer that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in really quick because I also think those of you like Kelsey just went through the job process, like she can talk about what she did when she interviewed like 
um, in terms of, I feel like you told me like you had a Knights and Knaves problem. So like you actually did math on your, your interview, right? So I think she could, like you guys could also talk on that too. Um, yeah, so, and I actually, so in, at the end of last year, um, again, so this is what I will say to you guys, if you are interested in web development at all, or if you like to online shop, um, e-commerce right now is an incredibly, and it sounds like a shameless plug, but this is honest, um, it is booming. Um, so much so that very few people uh, exist that have done like actual research in e-com or that have like legitimate experience in uh, like data science insofar as, as setting up a website. So what I will say is that, you know, if you are going to pick a spot, e-com right now is huge. Um, I got poached at the end of last year uh, from, or someone tried to take me from Haynes. That interview process, we actually used probability as well. The question was about like, okay, you've got an ant starting at like each corner of a triangle. You know, what is the probability if they're moving at the same speed that none of them will hit each other? Um, and so it was like one of those like quick thinking, okay, immediately go to probability like right now kind of um, topic. So sometimes you will run into that. Um, and that was for, so the the process or the, the job that I was being interviewed for was um, an analytical engineer. So I would be building part of their site and then I'd be doing the analysis on their site. So that was, um, so that's a big part of that. But what I will say is like what I'm doing right now, um, most of the preliminary is just like phone screening. So making sure that you have those soft skills, really important. Second part is traditionally some kind of challenge. Uh, they're not called tests anymore because oftentimes if you're like interviewing for a junior level analyst position, you're not going to be tested on your, your static knowledge. They're going to give you something like, hey, here's a data set. Here's the question that we're trying to solve. How would you solve this problem? And then what insights can you glean from the data? Um, and that's something that I'm using right now to interview our candidates. So I will say that it's not always about the interview skill. So you'll do your, so you have phone screen, challenge, and then you're brought in. When you're brought in is how well you get along with the team. Being your most authentic self is really important. Making sure that you understand the culture that you wanna work in is really important. And so while we've been talking about all the things that you need from an academic basis, absolutely do those things, but also start evaluating yourselves on what kind of environments do I like to work in? What are the things that I value most as an individual? And what do I wanna make sure my team values also? Because I will tell you right now, the worst thing you can do for yourself is start off your career on a wrong foot or in the wrong fit. Um, because I just don't want any of you guys to get like sour on something just because you know this wasn't the right place for you. So think about things like that um, because evaluate them. I know it seems like when you're fighting for a position that that's your only focus or, or that's the goal, but make sure that you're also reminding yourself that your happiness is most important and that your, you know, your mental morale, if you will, is really important too. So start evaluating the company just, just as much as they're looking at you. I'll jump in. There is someone like aggressively honking their horn. So I hope you can't hear that. Um, so I'd say for the most part, my experience, the general application process, interview process has been mostly the same. So for a lot of big companies, your first pass is a recruiter. Um, and the recruiter's job is mostly to read your resume and assess if your skills match up with that job posting. Um, so I know it sounds annoying to go in and edit your resume like every time you apply for a job posting, but if you read a posting and it says, okay, like it's list these 10 key skills and you have five of them, but you only have three on your resume, 
go and add those to your resume before you apply because a lot of the bigger companies, they have filters in place where if your resume doesn't match up enough with the posting, they're not even gonna call you, which is completely unfortunate. Um, but that's how a lot of the name of the game is. Um, and I will say even if a company is only in one location, say you live in North Carolina like me and you wanted to move to DC, some companies might even filter out based on your address. So if you have your address on your resume, maybe take it off. Um, those are some tips that I've learned throughout the, the few years. Um, and I'll give a couple blurbs about when I interviewed with the government at NSA. Um, that was for a mathematician position who would have thought that you could have had a job title that was applied research mathematician, but it's there. Um, and in that interview process, they did the one test they had um, was me talking through developing an algorithm. So they had a, a toy problem. Um, and it was not as intimidating as it might sound because I was talking with a PhD in the subject. And so I would say something, he'd say, okay, that's good. And then what would you do next? And he kind of talked, talked me through it, walked it. I mean, I was giving him the answers, but he was just encouraging along the way. And um, I will say at the end of the day, your experience like in the interview process will make or break how you feel about that job. If you get weird vibes in that process, you know, maybe maybe that's not where you're supposed to be. Um, but for the most part, um, I mean, a company wants you there and they're gonna do their best to give you the best wishes and things like that to make you feel good in the interview. Cause I mean, if you're talking to someone on the phone, you've got the skills that they want. And, and from that point on, it's almost just assessing how you fit into the team, which kind of Emmy alluded to. I will say that going off of like what Ben was saying too about, you know, catering your resume, that's really important because um, we are at Haynes anyway, we're not even allowed to interview a candidate if they don't meet our minimum requirements. So it is like literally against company policy. We cannot bring you in for me to talk to you unless you, you meet those minimum requirements. So I know it might seem like those minimums or those like requirements that's listed on that job posting might seem like they're not that important to you or they shouldn't be that important. Don't get disheartened if you're not getting called back immediately. It's literally just a part of the process that they're trying to fit something within this box because of, you know, we, we get audited every single time that we're interviewing somebody to make sure that that person is truly qualified and that we're not using nepotism or, or favoritism. So that's really important to you. Don't get discouraged. I mean, obviously, what we both said, like, don't lie. But if say a minimum qualification was like less than one years in HTML programming, if you had programming in C, go ahead and apply, you know? Yeah. And if they call you and say, yeah, I've actually never worked with HTML, but I learned C in five days. So I'd have no problem learning HTML. Yeah, I agree. Transferable skills. So, um, we're trying to be mindful of our time. And I think we, I have a feeling you guys are asking such good questions and our panelists are being so generous with your answers, but uh, we want to be respectful of everyone's time, especially our panelists. And so I think Dr. Zach has some closing comments, right? Is that right? Sure. <laughs> with, well, with the, with the contacting. Yes, yeah. I do have that. Okay. So <laughs> yes, I do have that. Well, I will say, um, if the panelists do want to stick around and answer any other questions from students, that would be great if you want to stay, but we do want to be mindful of your time. So if you have to go, that's totally fine. And same for the students too.
but all of the um, panelists have agreed to give their um, email addresses. So if you want to contact them, if you have any specific questions for any of them um, specifically, you can do that. So I'm gonna share my screen real quick, which has all of their um, names and email addresses. I'm hoping that I just did that correctly. You're um, good. Okay, even though I don't have it in full screen mode because I didn't it's do that. It's still pretty big. Okay, um, I can do view. I don't know how to do this because I don't ever use. Let me just do this. <laughs> you can tell we're mathematicians and we, we write. I don't, we don't ever use, use PowerPoint. Oh, that's not what I was. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> okay, good enough. I think everyone can see the email addresses because um, I'm I see myself, so that's why I'm like I don't know what I see. Um, so if anyone wants to jot any email addresses down, you can. And um, so we want to thank, I would, I'd, I'm going to ask everyone to unmute themselves if you wouldn't mind and please thank our speakers. So let's like give them a round of applause just for like coming and sharing all their knowledge for us because we really appreciate you guys coming. Yes, we appreciate you so much. Yeah, so I'd, uh, I hope you guys will unmute and applaud. <laughs> so I'm going to stop the recording now. And then again, you're welcome to stay if you have any questions. And then if any of the panelists need to go, you can go um, or you can stay too. Stop this and...